morning, everybody. My name is Ben. I'm the pastor here. Going to be um, opening up that passage. Let me pray, and then we'll get into Luke 8. Father, thank you for um, the Lord Jesus. Uh, we're meeting in his name, and it's such a joy and privilege to have his words before us, recorded in Luke's Gospel. Uh, please, uh, would we be those who have ears to hear? Would we be those who um, consider carefully how we listen to his words, uh, that it wouldn't be snatched away, that it wouldn't be choked or um, uh, um, uh, not given the attention it needs because of trouble and testing, but uh, would we be those with good and noble hearts who receive it and hold on to it and bear fruit, produce a great crop for your glory. Amen. Uh, last week we were looking at Luke 7 and I, I said there that it's a section in Luke's gospel all about how people are responding to Jesus and uh, we saw a model response in uh, the sinful woman who came and expressed incredible love for Jesus. In, in the same story we saw quite a different response from Simon the Pharisee who was very reserved uh, and cold in his response uh, to Jesus and uh, really that theme of how people are responding continues on into chapter 8. And this parable, in a way, is answering the question, why do people respond in different ways? Why are there these kind of mixed, varied responses to Jesus? So in some ways it's explanation, but it's more than explanation. This parable also shows us how we can respond to Jesus rightly, bearing fruit in our lives, fruit of faith and love and joy and peace. So I want to draw out three big lessons. Uh, they're quite long, so um, do write them down if you've uh, got a pen and paper. Firstly, that the Word of God is essential for spiritual life. The Word of God is essential for spiritual life. If you want sunflowers, you need sunflower seeds. I, I, I am not good at gardening, but I think this is true. If, if you want um, carrots, you need carrot seeds, right? Is that true? What's, somebody, yeah. What about if you want spiritual fruit? What, what kind of seed do you need? Uh, spiritual fruit, the fruit of salvation and transformation in your life. Jesus said this, says the seed you need is the word of God. So if you want to be saved, you need the word of God. If you want to be fruitful for Jesus, you need God's word. If, if you want to grow more like Jesus, if you want to grow more patient, more loving, more courageous, more wise, you need the word of God. Uh, the word of God is powerful. That is clear from page one of the Bible, where God speaks the universe into being. Let there be light, and there is light. God's word has power to bring life. God's word also has power to bring new life and spiritual growth. James 1 verse 21 says, Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And Psalm 1 uh, speaks about the blessed person uh, who is described as being like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit, never withering. And what is the reason for that 
strong, stable, fruitful life? Well, someone tells us the blessed person is the person who delights in God's word and meditates on it day and night. So the word of God is really powerful, but its power is like that of a seed. That's where Jesus' parable is so helpful. Seeds are actually really small, aren't they, and weak. You know, we could drop it on the ground and step on it, and it's crushed. But plant it, and over time, given the right conditions, has incredible power. Uh, I heard this quote last year. A single acorn has the power within itself to cover the world in wood. Isn't that great? One single acorn can grow into a mighty oak which produces hundreds of acorns that spread and multiplied on and on and on over time. could cover the face of the earth in wood. So it is with the word of God. It, it seems small and weak and unimpressive, but it has great power. And if received rightly, it will be incredibly fruitful. Which begs the question, doesn't it? What is the right way to receive it? How can we access the power of God's word in our lives? Second point. The word needs to be held onto to be effective. The word needs to be held onto in order to be effective in our lives. Uh, the parable that Jesus tells talks of four types of soil, four types of people. In each case, the seed is the same, but there's a very different result. That's worth noticing. All four of the types of people Jesus describes hear God's word. They all hear it, but only the fourth type of people are fruitful for the long term. It's really important to realize, isn't it? God's word is essential for spiritual life, but it's not enough simply to hear it. Hearing God's word is not enough. What we do with it once we've heard it is all important. Uh, so what's the difference? Only the fourth seed people retain it, Jesus says. They hear it and they retain it. They literally hold onto it and they persevere with it. For fruitful people, God's word doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. It's not choked by other distractions or discarded when the going gets tough. For fruitful people, God's word is precious. They hear it and they cherish it. They hold on to it. They take it deep down into their hearts and they put it into practice in their lives. This is the big application of Jesus' parable, I think. He's calling the crowd to, as he says, just a few verses later in verse 18, he's calling them to consider carefully how you listen. And that's a call on us today, isn't it? Consider carefully how you listen. What, what is your attitude to God's word? What's your kind of relationship with it? Consider carefully how you are listening. It's not enough just to hear Jesus' message. You need to pay attention to it. Think about it. Work it into your life so that it can change you at a heart level. True spiritual growth happens not through willpower, but through the word of God, the gospel taking root in your life. 
Again, I think Psalm 1 is helpful here. The, the, the blessed person whose life is fruitful, what, what do they do? We're told their delight is in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. Now that word meditate, it's not Eastern meditation. We're not talking about emptying our minds, but filling our minds. Filling our minds with God's word and holding on to it. Chewing it over, thinking about it. Working it deep into your heart so that it bears fruit in your life. I wonder, does that describe your relationship with God's word? It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to, to, to read it even. You need to think about it. I remember a, a Bible teacher years ago talking about Psalm 1 saying, you know, even if you've only got five minutes for God's words, read for a minute and think about it for four minutes. You know, it's great to read through big chunks of the Bible. You know, Bible in a year plans are, are wonderful. But I wonder if that can encourage us to just read and not really do the hard work of thinking and pondering and meditating on God's word. I think we need both, if we can. Uh, we've been talking about personal devotion resources in our family with the older girls. And again, some just offer, like, one verse each day, and then someone's brief reflections on, on that verse. Now, that can be good, certainly better than nothing, but I reckon what you really want is something that's going to get you thinking, get you pondering, get you working out the implications of God's word and its impact on your life. The real difference between the people Jesus describes is, I think, how much they value God's words. That's, I think, at the heart of the different ways that they receive it and respond to it. The first group, well, they think that God's word is not worth bothering with at all. They hear it, snatched away immediately. Doesn't penetrate their life at all. Second group, they initially receive it with joy, but they don't think it's worth facing trouble for. The third group, well, other things are more important. However they value God's word, other things are more important, material wealth. And the word gets crowded out. Only the fourth group of people, I think, recognize the true value of God's word. They see it as precious and powerful, and so they're willing to face trouble. They're willing to forego wealth and comfort in order to have it. They receive it, they hold on to it, they persevere with it. Which raises the question, doesn't it? How can we be fourth soil people? How can we be people who rightly value the word of God? Third point. The power of the word is the weakness of the Lord. That's a bit kind of... Uh, Confusing, isn't it? The power of the word is the weakness of the Lord. The image of a seed helps us see that God's word, although it's weak and vulnerable, has incredible power. Elsewhere, Jesus says something else about seeds that takes that idea one step further. Not only does a seed have power despite its weakness, but there's a sense in which a seed's power is in its weakness. John 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless 
a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So, I didn't know this. A, a seed's power, says Jesus, and I'm trusting he's got it right. Uh, it's only released as it dies. In a similar way, Jesus' power is released through his death. You know, the kingdom of Jesus is an upside-down kingdom. It grows not through military force, but through sacrificial love and death on a cross. And it's in that ultimate weakness and shame that God's power is found. Power for salvation. Power to transform the most hardened life. In uh, his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that the message of the cross, that the word of the cross is a stumbling block to Jews because it seems so weak and it seems foolish to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The power of the word is the weakness of the Lord. And it's when you see the weakness, that the beauty of Jesus' weakness, that he was made weak for you, that he suffered for you, that he died for you. It's when you grasp the truth of that word, that gospel word, that your heart is changed. You love him. You worship him. You treasure him more than comfort, more than wealth. And you'll delight in his word because it's through the word that you meet your Lord. You'll meditate on the word because your heart's been captured by the beauty of the Lord and there's no one you'd rather think about. And you'll put the word into practice in your life. You'll persevere in doing that because there's nothing you desire more than to please and honor and resemble the one who's loved you at such great cost. So much more we could say in this parable, but there, three points. You, you, you need the word. It's essential for spiritual life. Have you grasped that? You, you can't grow yourself up. The power's not within yourself, as most secular philosophies would tell you. No, the power's in the word. You need to get it in, and you need to hold on to it, not just in and out, but take it in deep. Let it penetrate your heart. And to do that, you need to value it. And you value it by seeing the beauty of Jesus in his weakness, in his sacrifice for you. So how do you need to respond? How are you going to make sure you're a, a fourth soil person this year? A person who bears much fruit for God's glory. Valuing the word of God rightly so that you don't just listen to it but hold on to it. Persevere with it. Not allowing it to get choked out by other concerns. But working it deeply into your heart. Putting it into practice in your life. Even if that means you face trouble, even if it means you miss out on wealth and other comforts, and keeping going with his word because you so love and treasure him. Let me pray and then we're going to sing together. I'll give you a moment in quiet to, to reflect and maybe think, what is Jesus calling you to? 
How do you need to change your attitude to him, to his word? What's that going to look like in practice this week, this year? Lord Jesus, thank you for this parable that searches us and challenges us, challenges our attitude to your word and our practice of, of reading our the attention that we give to it, the time, the energy that we put into uh, getting it into our lives. We, we acknowledge, I acknowledge and confess so often my attitude and practice is far from what it should be. Forgive us and by your spirit help us to, to change, to turn. Please help us to be those who rightly value your word. And so are those who not just hear it, but put it into practice. We want to be people who bear fruit for your glory. Please work in us that that may be the case. Amen.